0: I know words, I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which
1: is why I alone can fix it.
2: What's going on everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. Back with me in our separate, very interesting-looking studios. <laughs> My better half, Justin Hillbilly Boy Campbell. I, of course, am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita.
0: Together, we are peddling fiction. What's going on, man? How you been? Oh, not too bad at all. Been a uh, relatively relaxing week. Maybe too relaxing, actually.
2: Yeah, I've been, I've been going a little stir crazy here myself. We've been locked down in quarantine, uh, not actually locked down. We imposed it on ourselves just because we actually got the official tests back on Sunday that at least one of us has coronavirus. I'm assuming I do too, um, but yeah. So we've just been sitting around this place and uh, it's been tough. We're, we're getting kind of bored run out of things to watch i think the the hardest part for me is the food most of the food here the good food you have to go out and get like you want to go and sit at a restaurant and if you go to a certain restaurant they have really good food here but the delivery options there aside from obviously pollo felice every tuesday which i had a couple days ago uh it, it leaves a lot to be desired they're wildly inconsistent there's not a lot of good options so that is one thing that you do realize pretty quick here is the convenience of the U.S. to just sort of have everything at your fingertips whenever you want it. Amazon deliveries, food deliveries from all kinds of restaurants and like three or four different apps that you could use it on.
0: And like no, say uh, no Grubhub or DoorDash or any of that?
2: No. So they have, um, we do have Uber Eats here. And then we have this app called Rappi, which is kind of like sort of like a Postmates type thing where they'll go to like the store for you, or they'll pick up from certain restaurants and things like that. And you can type in your order if the restaurant isn't there, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's tough, man. it, it especially when it's really nice out too. I haven't had, I haven't been out in the sun. It's whale season, uh, for the next about two, maybe two months, we're going to have whales here, some humpback whales, and I haven't seen any of those. So, but we're, uh, I don't know how much longer i'm going to sit around i feel i feel good as i was telling you before we started recording this has been a very mild case of whatever i'm guessing it's omicron because i've had all the i've had the delta and the alpha and the original or whatever i don't know but yeah it's been very very mild i haven't even actually felt sick the last couple of days just the the friday evening when we did the um the happy hour is when i first started to notice some symptoms and then Saturday had a little fever and I've been treating it with the, um, the illegal drugs, the ivermectin ivermectin and zinc. And that seemed to knock it down right in its tracks. Like the fever was gone the next day. And yeah. So I don't know if it's, it could be a combination of things with me. I don't know that I've never, I haven't treated any of the other previous infections with ivermectin, but, and you know, Omicron, as we know, is sort of a milder case unless you're been listening to some of the Supreme Court justices that we'll deal with later, but it's not nearly as deadly um, or severe outcomes as the other uh, variants. And so I don't know if it's a combination of that. Plus, I've had I got all these antibodies still. Who knows? But good news. It looks like I'm going to be with us
0: (laughs) for at least another another couple of days this winter of severe illness and death has just not panned out at all i was hoping to at least get a couple days off work or something yeah
2: yeah i'm sure there are i'm sure well i'm sure the people at youtube were hoping i would kick the bucket but (laughs) (laughs) looks like i'm gonna survive and uh be able to put out some great content for everybody but um yeah. Speaking of the Supreme Court, I guess we can just hop right into it. Unless you got anything else you need to talk about, announce. Oh, what, um, what's take it away. Uh, yeah? Well, what was your latest uh, hillbilly activity over the last week? You got uh, the chicken wire fence all tied up and ready to go.
0: Uh, right now, we're just waiting on the goat to have babies. So, oh,
2: we're still waiting on the goat.
0: Yeah. So, so that's kind of put uh the barn comes in tomorrow so i'll be putting up a i'll be putting a, digging fence posts and putting up a fence and and all of that stuff uh possibly tomorrow depends on what time they deliver the barn i do have to go back to work tomorrow so so depending on when they deliver the barn i may be doing that tomorrow but as of right now we're just we're just waiting on this damn goat to start popping some kids out huh <laughs> hey, that's that is uh <laughs> how yeah, uh,
2: so how long do you are you gonna have to wait do you have any idea
0: see i don't know exactly what the gestation period is for a goat and she's uh, she's she's pretty fat like she's very clearly getting close but you have to wait for the built like once the mil- the milk bag drops then it's about to happen and that hasn't happened yet. So we're probably still another week or two away. Hopefully it doesn't happen over the weekend because it's supposed to be cold and snowy. Like if she can hold off until it starts to uh not be quite so nasty weather wise, that would be preferable.
2: <laughs> well, I'm sure it'll come this weekend then.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's t- that tends to be the way these things go. Yeah. The worst possible time is when it's gonna happen.
2: What's the the goat's name again? Trixie. Trixie. <laughs>
0: and then the, the male is Ralphie. He's my buddy. <laughs> all
2: right. All right. Well, yeah, keep us updated on uh, all the platforms. So what do we got? So we got the, uh, the private Facebook group. We're on Discord. Do we need to get that getter thing? Do we need to get on getter?
0: I, I'm on getter and I don't use it. Uh, if it starts to look like something that it seems to be the closest uh twitter-like platform similarity wise that i've seen um like it's a lot more twitter-like than what the uh, accursed uh what was the one that got that uh trump liked and then it got nuked oh yeah um crap now i don't even remember what the name of it was anymore obviously it really left an impression anyway it's this you know that was being touted as like the new twitter thing and uh the getter seems to be more similar to what twitter is than what
2: the what's the name of that i'm drawing a blank on it too not that nobody expects me to remember the names of these things but
0: i'd say you're you're not the tech guy so you're not supposed to that's that's my job and i'm striking out terribly on that one so anyway it's not uh that one doesn't exist anymore and getter seems to be close pretty close but I just I don't I don't have a lot of use for it right now. Uh, mostly for that first like week, it was everybody that I know and follow on Twitter was over on Gitter, uh just saying retard and dumb stuff as often as they could to see if it would get on band. Like can we can we can we not be better than this? Like I mean I, I get trying to push the limits, but do you really have to push the limits? that autistically like right out of the gate can we can we not work our way up to it right
2: yeah and and to just waste it on something meaningless you know it's like you can push the limits in a meaningful way you know try to have like um a joe rogan style dr malone interview or something right. like, like that,
0: where you're you adding have to value just say to the retard as many times as humanly possible <laughs> yeah
2: let's just try to be as offensive as possible for the sake of being offensive and seeing if they'll kick us off this thing. Right. Uh, I wouldn't look that that gift horse in the mouth or whatever. That's the right use of that phrase.
0: And then there were people who were complaining that this was supposed to be like a free speech platform and they were getting stuff removed. It's like, well, quit behaving like a complete jackass and you wouldn't get stuff removed. Like you're obviously that's what's going to happen when you just come straight in and start doing this sort of stuff. Like don't be the retard that you want to use the word for like just be better that's that's all i ask be be better please okay granted if anybody who spends any amount of time in the uh liberty twitter sphere knows that we are not capable of being better that's not that's just not in our dna so
2: yeah it's a little surprising like i guess it's not that surprising but it's been so difficult to get another alternative platform to sort of take off all these like it just seems like the the younger generations are always the ones to make these things popular. I like, you know, the TikTok thing. Um, it was Facebook and then Facebook, you know, old people got on Facebook and they moved to like TikTok and Instagram. Everybody's on Instagram now, which we also have that, but again, I don't really use it. Um I don't know how you get one of these things going if you don't have that sort of big tech push behind you and Facebook buys you out.
0: I mean, at least on the, the getter side of it, like they had the, they got the Joe Rogan push, like, because Joe Rogan and uh, Robert Malone mentioned it on that episode. Um, It got, you know, and, and I think even, I think Rogan even, tweeted out his getter handle and so it got a little bit of a bump but as of right now like I, like i'm looking at it right now and i'm not seeing i'm not seeing anything coming across on getter that i can't already get on twitter and
2: okay. yeah and that on. i
0: don't have to uh that i don't have to try to subscribe to everybody all over again like i think that's an advantage that like odyssey has is If you have X amount of followers, you can automatically set your your Odyssey account up through your YouTube, where that anything you post to YouTube automatically posts to Odyssey. So then if something does get taken down from YouTube, it's still there on Odyssey, even though it got taken down so that, you know, there's some interaction between the two and like Rumble and Locals are linked in, in some way, it's not a, it's not a true linking. Like I've, I've been playing with that. I don't know the different tech platforms are, they're interesting. And there's a lot of uh, like variability in the way they all work and the things you can do with them. But as of right now, like, I mean, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, those are the ones that like, that's where it's at. And for as much as some of these other platforms are trying to be an alternative to those things, it's it it's a it's a tough market to really get into for
2: yeah, yeah, and dat's chat is another one that I see and the only reason I hear about these is if they go public or something, and you know there's like somebody trying to tout the new stock of the next Instagram or something. That's pretty much the only time i I hear of these new platforms unless it comes up in like a yeah, like a Joe Rogan thing, which speaking of that, I don't know if you saw that there was like a couple hundred doctors and scientists wrote letters to Spotify, wrote an open letter to Spotify to try to censor um, Rogan and all the other things on their platform. Did you see this? No. Let's see, I think I got it. Yeah, I got it here. So yeah, 270 angry scientists cite uh, mainstream media fact checks and open letter urging Spotify to censor, oh, it was specifically Joe Rogan. So, yeah, they didn't like they didn't take this is all because of the Robert Malone, the Dr. Robert Malone um, interview that he did. (laughs) I I love when I mean, if Spotify actually caves to people that write letters, (laughs) they've got they're the biggest spineless jellyfishes on the face of the earth. I mean, like letter writers, like go ahead and write me a letter. I'll just laugh at you. (laughs) They so they, yeah, they got together and they're so upset that Spotify would give him a platform to spread misinformation. And none of these uh, doctors apparently have nearly the resume that uh, or a pedigree that Dr. Malone had. Um, let's see, yeah, just yeah, it's all about the vaccine stuff. Many of the statements have already been discredited, apparently, according to them put that into some uh some major quote quotes there i haven't have you seen anything discrediting that what was said in that interview from like a an actual authority on the matter
0: no i uh so between the robert malone interview the peter mccullough interview (laughs) the alex barrierson interview like i don't think i've I haven't seen anything that's like legitimate scientific evidence that disproves anything that any of them were saying on really much of anything. The only thing that was kind of the, uh, the only thing that I think I've heard from any of those three and seen, uh, potentially verifiable evidence to disprove would be Peter McCullough had claimed that you, once you've had COVID, you cannot be reinfected with COVID. Um, so like, (laughs) So, like people who have had it two or three times, what he's what he was saying is that you may have had it once, but the other times it probably was something else and with a false test, and that seems to that seems to be incorrect, especially in the wake of Omicron. Uh, but beyond that, like uh, everything else. I don't, I I haven't seen anything. And that, and that's not even anybody coming out and like explicitly saying that Peter McCullough was wrong on that and providing like factual evidence. That just seems to be like from the way this whole thing is gone, that doesn't seem to be accurate. But like, as far as like, I haven't seen anybody prove with any actual evidence or data that anything that Robert Malone said, anything that, Anything other than that, that uh, McCullough said anything that Alex Berenson has been saying for all this time, like I haven't seen any of that statistically or evidentially disproven.
2: Yeah, well, I I guess I would be living proof that you can get it again. (laughs) Uh, For sure. I've gotten it twice now. But yeah, it does look like only three of the signatories on this open letter are from immunologists. Um, 10% were like nurses or nurse practitioners. And 33 were some type of assistant, um, like a lab assistant or a professor or something like that. So it's being billed as 270 doctors, but very few actual doctors. And
0: oh, here's a fun one. Host and science correspondent for a podcast. (laughs)
2: Yeah, (laughs)
0: that's if that's all it takes to be an expert, like I'm a I'm an agricultural policy expert because i uh I, i serve as a correspondent for a podcast
2: yeah yeah you could also be like some sort of influencer i'm sure just throw the influencer term in there um but yeah joe rogan so that has 11 million viewers on average per show for the joe rogan experience 11 million that's like three times three and a half times almost four times like the next i'm looking at this chart like tucker carlson has like three point something um cnn primetime is under a million yeah i mean he's crushing it so maybe yeah maybe he can get this getter thing off the ground i don't know Um, i saw
0: somewhere that the uh the dr malone episode had hit like fifty thousand or 50 million downloads
2: yeah i mean that that was definitely one of the the most uh touted interview like i was seeing it like every news article every website i went to like somebody was mentioning it mentioning it everywhere and like a lot of like not even just the the circles that we normally sort of get our news from and things like that just like the the regular plebeian sites that people go to is it plebeian plebeian i always forget how to pronounce that (laughs) but uh anyway um the uh, the big news of today, at least as far as I'm concerned, and I think when I asked you, you mentioned the same exact thing, and it coming on the heels of the solo episode I did this past weekend, is that the Supreme Court has officially ruled on the Biden-OSHA vax mandate, and they blocked the one, if you guys recall, there were two different cases brought against the uh, I guess you could say the Biden administration, but one was like the Department of Labor or something like that. But they were all about these vax mandates. One was for healthcare workers that worked in hospitals that provided Medicare and Medicaid services. And the other was for businesses that had 100 employees or more. So there were two separate cases in front of the Supreme Court. And they blocked the one for the vaccine or test rule for U.S. businesses with 100 employees or more. But they allowed the vaccine mandate for uh, health care workers that provide Medicare and Medicare services. And I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, I remember I was I think I mentioned on the episode that I was seeing a lot of these articles that. Uh, especially from more left-leaning outlets, that they were convinced that the Supreme Court was going to block everything. I really didn't get that impression from listening to most of the oral arguments. So I, you know, I was pleasantly surprised, I guess, that they blocked the um, the uh, one for businesses. But the the one for healthcare workers, I thought was interesting. We have some audio for that that we can play in in a little bit. But it it does seem kind of weird without digging into this at all, that one would be allowed and the other one wouldn't. Did you kind of have that a similar uh, outtake on that?
0: So Friday evening after After hearing kind of the original arguments and everything that were that were going on as they were hearing the the case for each of them, See I, I had I, I was not very optimistic at all. This uh, this conservative court has proven itself to be kind of unreliable, especially where Kavanaugh and uh, Amy Coney Barrett are concerned. They they've they've been extremely unreliable just over this last year. Um, so I, I was not super optimistic. After hearing the or the arguments and stuff on Friday, I felt a little bit better about at least this part. But I, I wasn't necessarily surprised that they kept the the order for healthcare workers in place. Like it, it did kind of seem uh, from the line of questioning that they were using in looking at both sides of that. I, I did think it was interesting that they brought both of them at the same time. But I guess that uh, I guess that kind of makes sense. But. Uh, I kind of thought maybe they would be separate uh, issues, uh, but yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised that they shot down the the big businesses. anybody with over 100 employees, of the mandate or testing. Uh, especially after hearing them on Friday, like it really seemed like they were leaning in that direction. The fact that it ended up actually going six three, and Roberts sided with the the other conservatives because Roberts is for whatever the mainstream media wants to push on, on Roberts, he is not a conservative. Like he, he he tends to lean more towards the progressive side of things. Uh,
2: He, yeah, uh, he does. And he really fucked us on Obamacare. (laughs) I I, I was, I was thinking at the time, like they must have something on, like somebody had some dirt on him to get him to vote to that. Obamacare was uh, constitutional, which is absolutely absurd. Uh, well, and the thing done, that like started. the
0: thing that the that the liberals always bring up with with Roberts is that supposedly and I would have to look a little more uh, a little more in depth into it but supposedly 80% of the time he votes with the conservatives but it it's never on the big stuff like the big stuff that's actually in the news the the legitimately important stuff he never sides with them on that stuff so like i, I, don't, I don't care if he votes conservative on right. everything that doesn't matter. Like when yeah. it comes time, when it comes right down to it, and it actually matters. That's when he's always a failure. So like yeah. he's, he, he's a, uh, he's a progressive as far as I'm concerned where, where that goes.
2: Yeah, not all legislation is created equal. <laughs> and it just, I, that's when you do the percentage thing, it's like, okay, but what about the biggest issue? And and he, he really fucked us on that one. But, I, you know, I, I think I had some of the I played some of his audio, if I remember correctly. I could be getting that wrong because I listened to a lot of audio clips. And I was telling you, it took me forever to put that episode together. But um, based on his questioning, I I was thinking that he I was like, oh, he's he's leaning towards blocking this. Um, and the three that I knew for sure weren't, weren't going to go for it uh, was Sotomayor, Kagan and Breyer. Uh, I had some briar clips. That guy just had like the most pompous uh, way of asking questions. It was driving me crazy. Like this is all they're asking. That's it. It seems reasonable. <laughs> and I just didn't have time to play it. But he was, yeah. I really can't stand either all three of those uh, justices in particular. But yeah, the idea that they were going to block this i thought for sure that they were just going to grant the the stay and and sort of punt it for a little while and and then come up with with something else down the line I, you know who knows all this procedural shit that they go through but hey it at least for now it looks like a, a lot of people a lot of workers are going to be in the clear and i, I mean it just I, I know I talked about this on the the previous episode, but just to, it drives me crazy when they confuse the the vaccine with a negative COVID test. Um, and they kept saying, you know, this is the the best tool we have to combat this, and this is like the 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 only thing that we can do to ensure safety in the workplace is to have people vaccinated. It's like, no, no, that would be testing, It'd be testing a hundred percent of the time because. As uh, as you well know, um, you were you were mentioning that your your it was your wife's office, are, they have a lot of vac vaccinated. I don't know if I'm allowed to mention that on the on the podcast. I'm not, but a little late. Um, there's cruise ships that have fully vaccinated things. There's been parties that like fully vaccinated parties. I, I saw Alexandria Ocasio Cortez has uh, succumbed to the virus despite her vaccination and I'm sure she's been boosted and all that other stuff Uh, vaccine doesn't really mean anything other than that you've complied and uh yeah if you don't test if you don't test negative for it there's a very good chance that you could just be carrying around the the virus so if they were actually concerned with worker safety and not compliance and whoever else you know whatever else there they got planned for these uh vaccine passport things then they would require testing for everybody and clearly they're not they're not going for that and um it, it's nice it's it's refreshing to have the the supreme court come down on the right side of something for once did you read any of the uh opinions on it i haven't had time to yet i,
0: I have i had i spent more time looking at the the dissent uh from um. shoot Sotomayor Breyer and Kagan uh, just mostly because they because their opinion has been so kind of ridiculous like not clearly neither based in scientific evidence or in constitutional law like it's just it just comes across like scared old people who want the government to do more to protect them and uh, they, they, i mean that's that's the way it reads they they don't they don't cite anything uh procedural procedurally or constitutionally that would make this legal or because that's see i think that's something that uh, creates some confusion with this it's they're not arguing whether or not vaccines work they're not arguing whether or not uh these things are necessarily good ideas what what the argument is is does the federal government specifically does the executive office have the power to just give osha this control and right. the answer is no like absolutely no if if congress had actually put this in place and had gotten the votes the you know the bipartisan support to make it happen then there's the potential but as an executive order it's a gross misuse of power and and that's what the argument that's being made here is it's not about any of that other stuff and but but that's what the mainstream media drums it all up as because as long as you ignore the actual facts and you ignore the purpose of the Supreme Court, you can turn it into a popularity contest and you can turn it into something other than what it is, and it can get you can drum people up and try to create a buzz about it. But it, it, when you just look at it on its face, of what is the purpose of the Supreme Court and what are they looking at here, they got it right. Like, the, the, we could go into hours of why Ruth Bader Ginsburg was possibly the worst thing to happen to the Supreme <laughs> Court in the history of our country because she politicized the thing. I mean, like she is one of the key points in history that turned it from basing uh, rulings on constitutionality and actual law to making it a political platform to voice your opinion and and be and and try to alter the course of history or whatever. I, I'm not going into I'm not going into all the hours of why she was terrible.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think I did an episode on that when she passed. So you can go back through the archives. I I, hopefully I did it justice. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, you're, that's absolutely right. That it, it was it was bizarre to me that they, like, they almost didn't address that issue at all. And I mean, I guess they can't. So they just the entire argument for these mandates was just well, this is safe and effective, and this is the best tool we have, and we know this. And of course, you just get to say these things, and you, you never have to back them up. And it was really frustrating to listen to that whole thing, uh, all the back and forth. And if you're going to make that argument, then you should have to back up the statistics and the facts that you're coming out with, and then you just have like some of the justices coming out and making the argument for you which is even, and with even more ridiculous, like there are 100,000 children, and most of them in respirators in the hospital and like all this stuff. It's like, first of all, that's not what this is about. Second of all, none of that is even true. And, you know, even if it was, that's still not what this is about. This is about whether or not, it, not even just OSHA, but they're they're using all kinds of agencies. They're kind of going piecemeal. Like they're using a completely separate agency I think, to do the healthcare one than uh, to do the, the, the OSHA uh, with the rest of the workers. And they're just going to go agency by agency and try to expand these these powers and u- using unelected uh, bureaucrats to get around the Constitution, all the constitutional limits that we have in place. And it's just it really goes to show you just how inept this whole system is. You know, they tried to they tried to bind them down in the chains of the constitution or whatever they, you know, however they put it. But when you give them this much leeway, they're, they're going to find a way around it. Um, they're going to use an agency to do it. They'll create, you know, if you say they can't uh, print their own money, they'll create the federal reserve, this private institution, and then they'll use that. And you know, it's an emergency because world war, these emergency powers that we talked about maybe the week before, like you cannot give the the entity that you're using to institute the emergency powers the ability to declare what is an emergency because they're going to find a way they're going to find something to call an emergency so that they can just take control of whatever they want and man we're like i'm actually like pretty surprised that the supreme court came through on this one
0: pleasantly surprised for sure
2: yeah yeah and i'm I'm glad for all these you know all these workers out there that now they don't have to choose between uh putting something that they don't want in their body and putting food on their table unfortunately i think a lot of a lot of companies are still going to mandate it on their own which you know i suppose they can do but um
0: see i was looking forward to getting fired huh
2: yeah that's right. Some of us are looking for an excuse and uh
0: it's, it's it's funny uh we had we had a meeting i think it was friday it it had to have been friday um to talk about the impending uh regulation and the testing requirements and the vaccine stuff and and the company that I work for was not going to require a vaccine uh mostly because i think across the globe less than 40% of the company is vaccinated. And at many locations, it's well under 30%. And the location I work at in particular, I don't think anybody who works on my, uh, I take that back. There is one guy that I know for sure is vaccinated, but I like, okay, one out of 15 people that work for me is vaccinated. Like, and, uh, and of the unvaccinated ones, pretty much every one of them was like, yeah, I'm not getting tested weekly either. So they can fire me, or they can drop this, but we're not we're not playing this game. And, and I mean, we're, not to toot my own horn or anything, but we're the best block that they have. So if and I and I would be I would be right there along with those guys. Like if if you're going to fire any of us, you're going to have to fire all of us, and then what? You lose a quarter of your staff. Like yeah. nobody nobody, and that, that's just a quarter of your staff based off of my block. That's, you know, I don't know how many on the other blocks would be in the same boat. Like, how how many employees are you willing to lose? Uh, so it, it was going to be it was going to be tough uh, for a lot of these places to try to to implement this sort of thing, like unless they just are willing to shut down the entire economy, which they've proven that they are. But
2: yeah, and it's well, it's nice that they at least now have the out where they don't have to enforce this. And it does go to show you, you know, two things that uh, I've sort of been a proponent of for the last, you know, five or six years or so is one, like the the job that you have, make yourself indispensable. Uh, You'll have a lot more bargaining power when it comes to just about anything. You know, if you want to negotiate a higher salary or more time off or some sort of fringe benefit, make yourself indispensable. And. You know, you you hold a lot more power that way. You don't need like a whole union behind you or something like that. Just make yourself as as important to that company uh, functioning as ever. And then two is have something on the side that you can fall back on. You know, you never want to have all of your eggs in one basket or all of your income coming from one place. It's just it's one of the the most irresponsible things I think adults can do. And we've been conditioned to think that it's the most responsible thing is like, just have the same job at this company and work there for like 25 years. And then, you know, you'll get your social security when you retire. And man, to be, if you think of yourself as the, as like the entrepreneur and you're selling your labor, you're only selling your labor to one customer and you're going to live and die by that customer and the way that the the whole system is set up not only that you like you'll lose your health care uh, well not your health care but your health insurance if you lose that customer and a whole bunch of other things uh, compounded you know, like compound all at the same time if you 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 lose that one thing so yeah have a if there's one thing One lesson to take away from this whole COVID thing, other than all of the other COVID regime nonsense that we harp on on this podcast is make yourself indispensable and give yourself uh, a couple of streams of income that you can do from anywhere, especially if they decide to lock you in your your house for another year or two, or who knows how long. I'm kind of interested to see how long they're going to go with this.
0: And did you... (laughs) Did I tell you about my uh my doc clerk got COVID and so they were sending people home who had been in contact with him. And my boss came around to me. I was like, So do I have to go home? He's like, Oh, you would have been in contact with him most of the night, wouldn't you? It's like, yeah, we work pretty closely together. He's like, uh, are you feeling sick? No. It's like, well, we don't have anybody that can replace you and do your job. So if you're not feeling sick, you're just going to stay at work. <laughs> okay. Great. Okay. I'm looking forward to a couple of days off and no, no, yeah, it does I,
2: backfire. When <laughs> when other people leave, then you're stuck doing everybody else's job.
0: Yeah. It's like, but, we don't have anybody who can do your job. So you're just going to have to stick around. Hopefully you don't get sick. Yeah. Right. Great. Right.
2: But I'm surprised that in your situation, you didn't want to stay at work. I think a lot of the people I work with that like are, are stuck at home with their kids all day are dying to go back into the office. Like they're going in now like once or twice a week because they don't want to be at home with uh, their Brady Bunch family.
0: See, that's the thing about working nights is if I had gotten sent home, I'd have just sit here oh, all night that's while, nobody true. Could, yeah, while yeah, nobody's yeah. awake and play video games <laughs> all night. So.
2: <laughs> oh man. Well, I, I wonder how long it's going to be. Uh, probably, I'm sure tomorrow, we'll start to see the first calls for, uh, you know, stacking the Supreme Court now. And so be prepared for all of that. The, the left is going to go absolutely crazy. And they're going to want to pack this thing because it, it fell pretty much along party lines for this decision. The, uh, I think it was who hop who jumped ship for the, the healthcare worker one.
0: Uh, Kavanaugh.
2: Kavanaugh. That was interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like like we established, Roberts is not a conservative, but uh yeah, Kavanaugh was the the actual conservative that that went over, over to the dark side and and uh, voted in favor of the the health care worker one.
2: Yeah. So that was five a five four decision, and I do I have I think I know what the deciding factor for that was based on listening to the, the audio file. And I have that queued up and it, it basically, it, it, um, it rests on this idea of using Medicare reimbursement funding to sort of control behavior, if that makes any sense. And I talked about this on the, on the last episode where they can, they can manipulate you, based on withholding funds that you think you're going to get that you think you're entitled to and you got to be very careful when you when you get into bed with these types of people they're going to fuck you like that's that's what happens when you get into bed right um and if you don't do everything that they want you to do they can they can just not hold up their end of the bargain they can change the terms of it they can you know dictate to you what you have to do in order to get your um your reimbursement medicare medicaid social security or otherwise and i think that's sort of what's at the, the heart of this whole the reason why they had a separate decision for the the healthcare workers than they did in the osha case so let's uh let's go ahead and play this exchange i thought it was kind of interesting
1: statute of like the uh, the OSHA statute actually contains a, a, an express limitation on the secretary's authority that we haven't yet discussed and that I know you're familiar with. among other things it says you know the secretary shall not control the tenure of, of employees at covered health care facilities um, or their compensation or their selection and, and this regulation arguably the other side will say I'm sure we're going to hear it so I didn't want to hear you have a chance say this effectively controls uh, the employment of individuals at these healthcare facilities in a way that Congress specifically prohibited. As I understand your response, it is we're just providing money or not providing money. By withholding money, we're not controlling who you hire. And I might understand that in some circumstances, but in a statute where everything is about spending, it's a spending clause statute. I would have thought that Congress would have understood, and we should interpret this language in that light, that you cannot use the money as a weapon to control these things. And in fact, of course, as you know, the court has some anti-commandeering law. That's doctrinal speak for you can't always use money without claiming you're not controlling what's going on. And I wonder whether we should take particular cognizance of that here, given that uh, these statutes sometimes constitute, we're told, 10% of all the funding state governments receive. This regulation affects, we're told, 10 million healthcare workers and will cost over a billion dollars for employers to comply with. So, I, what's your reaction to that? Why isn't this a regulation that effectively controls the employment and tenure of? of healthcare workers at hospitals, an issue Congress said the agency didn't have the authority that, that should be left to states to regulate. So, Justice Gorsuch, you're talking about Section
3: 1395, uh, and that says that nothing in the Medicaid Act shall be or Medicare Act shall be interpreted to authorize any federal official to control, as you say, tenure, staffing, the practice of medicine or the administration of entities. We read, as the secretary has long read, that to mean that he can't dictate particular decisions, hire this person, don't hire that person, you know, treat this patient this way, not that way, that that's what control and supervision means. And
1: Can it, can it, can it mean, though? Could it mean, should it mean, have we in other cases interpreted similar language to mean you can't use money in a way that commandeers a state or private entity? So I I think the most direct answer is that
3: that's not, it can't mean that in this context, because you have to- Could could it mean it? And do you agree
1: that it means that in other contexts?
3: Control and supervision can mean different things in different
1: contexts, but I just, I do want to get out that they have to mean something that's- so, so, Fine, I'm, I'll let you do it, I promise. But you'd agree that in some contexts, in some circumstances, that's a possible meaning. I think maybe a possible meeting. I don't think it's the most natural reading. All right. Now and now you get a go go
3: ahead. Got it. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. So the reason why it can't mean that here is that succeeding provisions of the Medicare statute authorize the Secretary to do or actually do directly by Congress, uh, exactly that sort of standard setting that the Secretary is engaged in here. So just take the hospital statute that we've talked about a bunch, 1396 XE. There's provision or we talked about E9, which is health and safety. The preceding provisions say things like you have to be staffed by doctors and the doctors have to have particular licenses. You have to have a certified nurse on duty 24
1: hours a day. You have to have a budget plan that meets the requirements of another subsection. Okay, category. so that doesn't control. But somewhere along the line, you move from general regulations that outline things you, you, the hospital, have to do to somewhere more directly where you are controlling or supervising. We agree? Yes. There's a sliding scale in there. I'm not sure about sliding scale. I would say standard setting, we can tell from that context. There's a range. Can we agree on that? Sure. Okay. Where's the line?
3: I think that as is often the case with ranges the line may be hard to draw when you get out towards more granular controls i think what i can be confident about is that this standard is on the right side of the line because it's consistent with standards in the statute itself that say you have to hire physicians and nurses that meet these qualifications or with other provisions that
1: say you have to train your your staff must be trained in this way i understand i understand that what do we do about the fact with that congress is never sorry the cms not Congress, we don't have Congress here, CMS has never before said among its standards a vaccination requirement
2: or any yeah, Okay, I think, Greg, I think we get the point there. That clip was running a little long. Oh.
0: Yeah, so I, I kind of get it. Um, as we listen to them kind of have this exchange back and forth, I guess I kind of get the, the logic behind why they would make this requirement for the healthcare workers as opposed to general business, uh, you know, companies that have over 100 employees, stuff like that, because the 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 healthcare side of things is already more heav- heavily regulated. There are a lot more requirements and stipulations on on that industry on those individuals who work in that business. So I guess I don't like it, but I get it. Like if that makes sense, like I, I don't personally agree with it, but I can see how to some extent, especially because a lot of the, I guess a lot of the medical industries, uh, uh, regulations and stuff are actually by law through, uh, through Congress, like actually congressionally approved stuff. So, so that has a little more teeth than just the Biden executive order for general businesses of over hundred employees like that. I, I, I don't like it, but I can see it. Uh, yeah. I, I can't poke a lot of holes in it, whether right. I.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're going to sort of put your hand out and take money from the federal government, they're going to be able to dictate some of the terms of whether or not you get that that reimbursement from them so from that aspect I do understand it as well I I don't know if I liked if I followed the whole you know we're allowed to like you know make sure that they're qualified to work in the hospital and that like one of those qualifications on par with like having an actual like doctor degree and like experience work experience and stuff is whether or not you've you've taken a a vaccine of some sort like they don't they don't do that for other uh you know for the the flu or something like that as far as i know they don't have to be have their flu shot every year or whatever
0: um i think i don't see how that affects
2: their ability to do their job
0: and say I think some of them. See, that it may be on a hospital by hospital basis, but I think some of them do require a, yeah. a, an annual flu shot. Um,
2: they might, yeah. Uh, it, and it is different, and you know, you're working on people that could have like compromised immune systems or something. So it could, in theory, affect your ability to, to treat them properly if you're going to be passing, you know, infectious diseases back and forth. But again the vaccine doesn't stop you from doing that <laughs> so it's like again if to call these vaccines is very using the term very loosely as i've said in the past and to compare them to something like the the polio vaccine it, i don't think is a very fair comparison but you know it does it does sort of get at this other issue of the states
0: oh can i do my fact check thing oh sure go ahead <laughs> since you mentioned that cuz i had posted a thing about the how the comparison to smallpox and polio vaccines was ridiculous. And anybody that's comparing the COVID vaccine to a smallpox or polio vaccine and pointing out that smallpox and polio were used or were effectively eradicated by vaccines. They're completely different types of disease. For one thing, the vaccine itself is a completely different type of thing. Well, so I got fact checked on on all of this, that said, there are that there were actually breakthrough cases of polio following po- polio vaccination. Like, okay, sure, there weren't like twenty to fifty percent breakthrough infections with polio vaccines. Like the the very like of oh, now I'm trying to remember what the exact number was because it was like in the hundreds. Like of of all of the you know millions of people who got polio vaccines like uh, in the hundreds had breakthrough cases whereas with covid you're seeing hundreds of millions who have gotten the vaccines and tens upon almost you know tens of millions who <laughs> are getting breakthrough cases like that that's a that's a pretty damning thing and and not like, it's comparing apples to oranges, which, I mean, that's what they do with everything. It's That's why the fact checkers are a complete crock of shit is because they always create these comparisons. But when you actually dig into the numbers of the comparisons, there there's nothing, there's no substance to it. It's all a crock of shit. Yeah. Well, and, you
2: know, they didn't have to mandate the polio vaccine, if I remember correctly. Um, people, because, pol- like, you you knew people that got polio and then they couldn't walk and like their body just completely broke down. And if, if there was something like if there was an element of that to the coronavirus, and it wasn't just the vast majority of people that are young and healthy might have a fever for a few days and then they're fine. You probably wouldn't have to start shoving a lot of these things down the throats of the American people. But uh, I wonder how many of those breakthrough cases in polio were like how early on they were in the in the um in the and see i
0: should have looked more closely at it because there was actually a uh and it, it's been fairly well documented there was a particular uh strand of the polio vaccination that didn't work like it just outright didn't work in fact it caused uh, a lot of um mutations and other problems in children and stuff uh especially like pregnant mothers there were there was a particular strand of the polio vaccine that specifically led to severe problems. And I wonder, I wonder how many of the the breakthrough cases that they include in this, you know, saying that polio did have breakthroughs uh, were actually from that particular strand of the vaccine that didn't actually work. Like, like, because that, and that was, that was known. Like there was a particular strand that, yeah. Something about the science was wrong with it and, and it didn't work. Uh, like, And they actually admitted that and there was a big recall and like there was, you know, there've been studies done and everything. How many breakthrough cases does it take for them to admit that the COVID vaccine doesn't work <laughs> and to, to actually come out and say, yeah, we might've been wrong on that one. Uh, well, that, you know, that, it'll never know, that's happen. That's the thing. Like my guess
2: is with the polio vaccine and they can fact check us on this, but like all those breakthrough cases were like really early on in the in the vaccination process. Like today, we don't have breakthrough cases really. We have people that stopped getting vaccinated for polio, right? But like if we were to continue this vaccination process for COVID-19, we'd be having breakthrough cases all throughout the entire process and it would never end. You know like every every case is going to be a breakthrough case because the vaccine's always like six months behind the newest variant. Uh, it, it's uh, it, it's really just bizarre to to have to to watch them have to make the arguments in front of the Supreme Court for the efficacy of these vaccines was it was really something to see and that, and that's one of the points that I was trying to make was I wish there was somebody there that could make, um, the counter argument, like just counter all their ridiculous statistics, but also to make the case for, you know, the anti-mandate case based on libertarian principles, uh, like you know, just to have like, got like Tom Woods was there. That's that's all you would need. Just just but give Tom Woods a microphone for forty minutes and let him talk about this, and I I think it. I mean, you'd probably still get the six to three split, but the case that would have been made would have been so much more convincing to the the american people that you you would know that it wasn't just like a political thing, you know, it wasn't just a democrat republican thing, like this is a principled argument and it makes a lot more sense. Uh the other the other thing that i thought, you know, the other takeaway from this whole uh, mandate for the healthcare workers that get medicare reimbursement is this like how neutered the states have become in our republic right everyone wants to call it the democracy but you know a lot of the things that made it a republic have sort of been withered away through the the passage of time of politicians getting around all of the controls you know like the the senators used to be elected by the state legislature so the states would have a lot more power that now it's just like a popular vote um but this this thing where like the federal government has figured out a way to manipulate the states by giving them all this funding and that's another thing that we've seen with the coronavirus you know the rescue packages is hundreds of billions of dollars for states and that have blown gigantic holes in their budgets like you know Illinois namely the the city of Chicago California all these places are getting tons of federal money because they they desperately need it. In the case of Chicago, I know California was running a budget surplus for like the first time ever or something, but uh, Chicago is not, uh, Chicago's broke. And the only thing keeping them afloat uh, is this federal funding that they're getting. And that makes the state of Illinois just beholden to the federal government. And it's, it's the way, you know, the, the whole design of the constitution was like, the states were supposed to retain a lot of power and anything that was not explicitly delegated to the federal government was supposed to be left up to the states to decide. Well, now the federal government has created this printing press that the states don't have access to. Only the, the federal government can run the, the, the printing press through the Federal Reserve. And by doing that and promising states funding for this and that, that's, it, that goes to exactly what Gorsuch was getting at. They're manipulating the states to get them to do what they want through the threat of withholding funds, and it's just yet another workaround that you know these uh, these politicians. They're very crafty. This government organization, they've if they're good at one thing, it's getting around all of the rules that are supposed to prevent them from doing things. They'll find a way, and th- this this you know, creating, being able to create money out of thin air and promising it to people, states and other countries, they do the same thing with our foreign policy, where they, you know, they'll give you, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars to some country somewhere. And we get that we manipulate them that way, they do what we want. And if they don't do what they want, uh, we want, we threaten to take the money away. And um, in the case of Trump, (laughs) you might get impeached for it for the quid pro quo there but uh it doesn't seem to bother the the politicians to do it in every other facet of government it's just a standard operating procedure
0: you had hit something kind of uh which we've talked about it before i guess when omicron was first kind of coming around um you you mentioned that the vaccines for this are always going to be like four to six months behind Scientists predict that Omicron will peak mid-January, uh, and they're already saying that a number of states they think have already peaked and are starting on the downside. Like, so it's it's almost over with. But it would be if we were going based off of what the original projections projections were uh, when Pfizer and Moderna were talking about it when Omicron first became a thing, you know, a month and a half ago or so. Um, it'd be like April or May before they can actually get a a vaccine out for omicron so it's going to, to peak here over the next couple of weeks and be done with before like literally months before they could actually get the the updated vaccine out so like here here we are the, yeah, the efficacy just, of these vaccines
2: yeah it's a constant game it's like a game of whack-a-mole or something like one pops up and you knock it down and as soon as you knock that one down another one pops up And I wonder what, what happens to the older variants? Like what happened to alpha and, you know, it doesn't just like disappear off the face of the earth, does it? They'll never tell us, I don't know. Right, so like, do we have to, so like, let's say, you know, a year or two from now, we have like 10 different variants that are floating around there. Do we have to get a vaccine for each one? Because each vaccine is specific to that variant. Like they can only, target that one spike protein, at least with the technology that we have now. So you got to get like your, your alpha shot and the booster for that, your Delta shot, the booster for that, the Omicron and the booster for that in order to be safe, you know, from, from these very, very serious, uh, viruses that, you know, I, I, I heard there was like a million cases a day now, or at least one day had a million cases
0: you know i closed the worldometer site and stopped looking at numbers like uh, about a month ago I, I couldn't i couldn't tell you yeah, <laughs> yeah but it, it hit a point that when literally every report that was coming out was only talking about cases and as you dug further into the report like at the very very bottom in the footnotes it talked about how uh, hospitalizations and deaths were actually down and severe cases were actually down. But the only thing they were talking about was total cases. That's what I was like, I'm done. At. I'm they're... done with it. Like it's, yeah. uh, it's over. I'm I'm not paying attention anymore.
2: Right. That, that's kind of what I was getting at. They're back to cases now because originally it was cases and they're going to overrun the hospitals and then that didn't happen. then it was deaths. And then, you know, we go through the whole cycle again and we're back to cases. And like I said, I, I just had a case of it. Uh, It was not, if if what we weren't going through is what we're actually going through, I wouldn't have even mentioned it to anybody. I wouldn't have changed my daily routine at all. I would have just gone through life normally. You know, maybe I wouldn't be around a lot of people if I was feeling, you know, if I had a fever and everything, like, oh, I'm sick. I'm going to stay home today. But I would have stayed home for like a day or two. And then I would have been out about doing my normal routine and uh, wouldn't have th- wouldn't thought mentioning it to anybody would have been like, hey, you know, like I can't, I got COVID, like some some of my, like a friend of a friend is down here now, like, oh, we just got in, we're here till Friday. I was like, sorry, I got COVID. And uh, that was actually kind of a blessing because I didn't really want to hang out. Them, but <laughs> <laughs> it is a great excuse in some regards. But yeah, I mean, I, I had a case of it. Oh, okay, <laughs> who cares? Who cares? I'm fine
0: i'm fine. it goes on i'm
2: mean, I fine yeah um anyway do you, you how are we doing on time here i think we're we're probably
0: running. running a little long
2: yeah do you want to do this uh
0: kirsten cinema thing i think we got time for that oh uh maybe if we make it quick uh i mean it's there's not a whole lot to talk about with it it is fairly quick um so the oh what i do with that article there it is okay so Sinema took to the Senate floor to reiterate her opposition shortly before Joe Biden was to meet with the Democrats to urge them to unite around the idea to pass a law. Um, and this law is for the voter rights reforms. Um, so Kristen Sinema and uh, Joe Manchin have not been on board with this. The Republicans are a hundred percent not on board with it to the extent that the, uh, the Democrats have been floating, trying to upend the filibuster, which they've been talking about that for a couple of years now anyway, and, uh, but they can't get Manchin and cinema on board with that either. So, so that whole thing is dead and dead on arrival. Uh, and, and for anybody who doesn't know about the, so the, the voter rights bill that they're trying to get uh voter voting rights reform, reform bill is to basically do away with a lot of the checks and balances that are involved in the voting process like the the things that actually confirm that the people who are voting are legal registered voters that have an id and like like and and then don't get me wrong like there is some extent to which i don't think that's all necessarily a bad thing like somebody who is a convicted felon that had a drug charge for marijuana 20 years ago like all right that guy should probably be allowed to vote but the like they're wanting to push this in the direction of like the new york style allowing illegal immigrants to to just have free run to vote like that's what these these voting rights reforms are trying to do and they can't get the more moderate democrats on board
2: yeah, it's anytime they say voting rights, they they really just mean ways for to get people around uh, voting restrictions. Um, and I mean, as far as restrictions go, it doesn't. You know, I, I think the only restrictions should be you are who you say you are, and you should have to prove that and that you're actually a citizen of the country. I don't think those are unreasonable things if we're gonna have a system of voting. Um, you should have to prove that. and it's it's weird that you have to show more onerous proof of identification and uh, compliance to go to a restaurant in Chicago than to vote in an election. And I really think that you know if the if people against this, if like you know from the Republicans perspective, if they were smart, they would turn this around, this whole especially if they go through with the vaccine. If these vaccine mandates actually end up do getting passed in some regard, they should require vaccination for voting. Why not? I mean, you can't be standing in those long lines unvaccinated to vote, <laughs> and then you could then you could watch um, every uh, left wing in America just go completely ballistic.
0: Well, because a lot of the illegal and and even the legal immigrants that they're allowing in right now are unvaccinated. Like that's not something that they're putting requirements and restrictions on.
2: That and also the uh, African American community also pretty low vaccination rate in all these big Extremely cities. Extremely low. So that that would be that would be one of the ways I attack the vaccine mandate. It's like, well, if we're going to have it for this, we better have it for voting. It's too the, important. Yeah. Uh,
0: so the Republicans have done a relatively good job. So at the end of the day, like even if they were able to try to ram this through, at the end of the day, the uh, the states' rights thing still kind of trumps this. And like Georgia, Arizona, a number of other states, uh, you know, oddly and uh, coincidentally enough, the the big swing states that had some uh, questionable outcomes in the twenty twenty election the they have passed more stringent uh voter registration and voting requirements and a lot of that stuff even if this went into place the the states the state level uh rules and regulations trump this so so that it's kind of a, a they want to tout this as as some big thing that's going to be like a game changer but the the state level laws are going to Take precedent over these. And uh this is kind of a, I guess, kind of to to wrap on on this particular topic. You know, this legislation in particular is a federal, especially for the Democrats, it's a circle jerk. It's to make it look like they're doing some of the things that they had promised voters that they were going to do, even though they've pretty summarily failed to deliver anything that they had promised over this last year. So, like, this is this is like their last ditch effort to try to say, okay, look, we won at this thing. Like, sorry that your you know gas prices are twice as high as they were this time of year ago, and sorry that there's no food on the shelves, and sorry that uh, immigration reform hasn't actually happened, and sorry that we haven't defunded the police or done anything with criminal justice reform, and sorry that none of the other policies and stuff that Joe Biden ran on got, exactly. have had even the the most minuscule amount of of work being done on them. And never mind that, you know, coronavirus hasn't been solved like he promised it would be or anything else for that matter. We got this one thing. So don't vote us all out of office, please.
2: Right. You know, it's it's funny because every time I dive into like the comment section on some, you know, something that uh, like, you know, Biden or Kamala Harris or uh bernie sanders or something they'll post something and i read the comments like when are you forgiving student debt forgive student debt forgive student debt i think that's the biggest one that people are so pissed off about because they actually thought that they were going to get their student debt wiped out because they elected joe biden
0: what a bunch of suckers
2: (laughs) yeah i hopefully that you know they'll they'll start looking to alternatives uh politically speaking you know that aren't going to promise you a, a bill of goods and and take so much more from you than they actually deliver but um yeah a lot of this will be left up to the states especially that that was another point that the supreme court justices were making the ones that actually blocked this were like why don't we just leave this up to the states so you might be in a state you're not in the clear yet so i guess uh
0: we'll have republican look- supermajority here so as long as they don't turn all turn around and start acting like a bunch of moderates or progressives we may be in decent shape
2: there you go all right man we should uh probably wrap on that you got anything you need to announce anything
0: coming up oh oh so i, I was talking to you about it before we started the show i've been doing these tuesday night live streams they've been a lot of fun uh did one last week and talked about uh, i can't remember what it was uh, we we drink and talk shit and uh it's a, tons of fun uh, but this past Tuesday night, we talked about uh, why the 19th Amendment was a mistake. That was a whole lot of fun. And then, uh, oh, so two weeks ago, we were going to talk about January 6th, which we didn't talk about it very much. But uh, we we all got drunk and enjoyed ourselves. So this up, upcoming Tuesday night, we are going to be doing a mystery science theater 3000 style review of Minority Report. So it's going to be me, DL Cummings, and Mark Metz. Our three little heads in the bottom of the screen as we as we watch minority report and talk shit about it throughout the whole thing. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Check, uh, come check me out on the fact check this podcast YouTube channel, as we do a live stream review of minority report.
2: Awesome. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at pedal fiction, join the five private Facebook group and, or, become a supporting listener of the show by going to peddlingfictionpodcast.com. set up a monthly recurring donation and you can join us every other friday for our own little happy hour where we drink and talk shit um we won't be i don't think we'll be discussing amendments to the constitution but it could come up you never know you never know when uh sean's around what he's gonna want to start fights with so (laughs) if you guys can do all that for us we will be back next week with a brand new episode for you and until then you know the drill just keep on pedaling that so-called fiction peace